0: December 2022, less than two years after being exonerated in two different cases, Christopher Williams met an untimely and unfortunate death <laughs> after being framed for murders and being sentenced to a life sentence, Christopher Williams had no hope of living life. That was until he was found innocent for the murders of six people. Being wrongfully convicted in a crime is everyone's worst nightmare. What's even worse, that after spending 25 years locked up and alone, the world passes by with so many new ideas and technology, making it difficult for any person to re- reintegrate back into society. everyone and welcome back to bruh is a murder where we cover true crime cases of color and play music from artists you probably never heard of it's a quiet storm dirty beats <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> the b is for
1: blogs <laughs> <laughs> No, the B is for butt stuff. Yeah, but the stuff. B is for bussy. <laughs> Dirty bussy. Dirty bussy. Because <laughs> <Dirty busy.
0: laughs> I don't wash my ass or my pants. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're down in it, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, from
0: here. Today, the gang and I are going to be taking a look into an exoneree <laughs> oh who was murdered after being set free. Like always, before we start, make sure that you subscribe so you stay up to date on our latest episodes and extra content on our social media. Andre is always on top of his game. So he, of course.
2: Did you it in yourself? Yeah. No, he just
0: wanted to go to the top. <laughs> <laughs> hey. So, hey. of course, he's going to Get provide right. a link. links in the show notes. So, Kelly, if you're ready, let's jump into this case. Jump in. I'm
2: Okay. Like Corbin blew. Yeah. <laughs> Great That's
1: movie. a name I haven't heard in a while.
0: <laughs> Great movie.
2: Perfect. Um, Multiverse. yeah, st- still fine too.
1: Christopher had been held in prison for almost 30 years for murders he did not commit. He was charged with six murders, acquitted of two, and convicted of four. He had been framed with two accompli- accomplices, one for the two separate cases by Prosecutor David Desiderio in Philadelphia. Three of the murders were of gang members from New York, 22-year-old Otis Reynolds, 19-year-old Gavin Anderson, and his brother, 17-year-old Kevin Anderson, of which he was accused with Theophilus Wilson. They were convicted on August 6th of 1993. Then, another murder of a 19-year-old man, Michael Hainsworth, who was killed after being shot while sitting in his car, with co-defendant Troy Colston, of which they were convicted in January 1992. These slings were within months of each other, Sem- September and November, respectively, of 1989. And, of all these con- and all of these convictions were hinged on the perjured testimony of James White, an informant who was incarcerated for murder. White had been promised a deal on his sentencing and was coached by prosecutor DeSidario. After decades of fighting, as well as spending 25 years on death row, Williams was exonerated in 2019. As well, um... There seems to be evidence that James White actually was the one who killed uh, Michael Hainsworth and he—he he had like admitted himself that he had been a part of it but brought those two in with him and then he was pressured to implicate Williams in the other murder of the three drug um drug dealers from New York. So, um and I just wanted to read this quote from deathpenaltyinfo.org cuz I have a lot, of, a lot of thoughts on it. Quote Pamela Cummings, then the director of the Philadelphia District Attorney's Conviction Integrity Unit, called his wrongful conviction a quote, perfect storm of injustice, which witnesses had lied, prosecutors had withheld exculpatory evidence, and presented false forensic testimony and Williams had been provided ineffective representation. And the only reason I wanted to bring this up is because it's not a fucking perfect storm. This happens all the fucking time. <laughs> like, this is, this is everything. One-on. I mean, again, yeah. look, for instance, the, the stuff with Anand Syed in yeah. Baltimore. It's the same shit. She acts like this is like a, you know, a one in a lifetime well, uh, thing, and it it's not. The, the
2: bro- is it the Brooklyn Five? The Five, the Five? Central Park Five. look at that. Was that also just a perfect spot? Like this happens frequently.
1: Yeah, like they—they, they, the reason it, it pisses me off is because it's like, yeah, well, you know, witnesses lied, you know, withheld exculpatory. They do that shit all the time. We know prosecutors do will do anything to win. A lot of them. And then the ineffective representation, that's consistent across the board for everyone who gets a fucking public defender. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I know public defenders work hard and it's not their overworked. fault, but yeah, they're overworked. They can't provide effective defense for all these fucking people.
3: Only 24 hours in a day.
1: Yeah. Yep. So like, to act like this is a fucking anomaly, I think is so... I don't know. Yeah, it's inappropriate. Exact. Yeah. Yes, it's disingenuous. Yeah. So that was my little. That's my little soapbox that I wanted. Also,
2: to... I, I want to say David Desiderio. How do you say? It? That's how you say it.
1: Yeah, I think so. Does it dare you? Uh, uh,
2: the perfect villain name too? Yeah. Uh, you hear that name, you like, he's up to some shit. <laughs> but yeah,
1: it's like the exact same formula for Adnan Syed's case. The exact like a Batman same Batman villain. Shit.
2: So now Christopher's Newfound Freedom was short-lived because less than two years after his exoneration, Christopher was shot dead at a funeral in North Philadelphia, December 17th, of 22. So according to police, the shooting occurred around 12 30 p.m. outside of the Deliverance Evangel- Evangelistic Church, where Christopher was a a friend's funeral christopher was shot multiple times in the chest and was pronounced dead at the scene. the authorities are still investigating the murder but some details have emerged in the meeting christopher's family members reported seeing a group of men arguing outside the church before the shooting occurred but it's unclear if christopher was like the intended target or if this was just he was just caught in a crossfire because being from someone who lived in north philly most of his life shootings are not a uh uncommon Thing. I remember being a kid and having my cousin from Ohio visit us, and we're sitting on my porch and we heard like some pops in the distance. So, me and you know, all was good, I got the fuck up and went inside. I look out behind me, he's still on the porch. I'm like, bitch, where are you going? He was like, oh, I heard firework. No, you ain't. Some <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <No, no. laughs> strays are going to come down soon. You better get inside.
1: <laughs> the the one wild thing when we heard about that um shooting and you said your girlfriend your ex-girlfriend had been right around the corner and walked through it after of it course. happened no, that, i yes. mean then, that wasn't that long ago no no
3: philly 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 be Phillying. so ultimately uh, christopher had been out of prison for one year and eight months in that time he had begun working in construction and trying to reconnect with family he had been gone for you know 30 years almost um, and he did have a son In this time, Christopher also regularly returned to visit other inmates uh, that he had previously uh, been incarcerated with. And it became a dream of his to create his own construction company um, and be a place for people to go. As they re-enter into society after being incarcerated, which we've talked about before, is incredibly important. If you have a business in your community that is that, if you if there's anything you can do to patron them, that's awesome. There are you know people who do get reformed by prison. They've you know gone through the justice process and paid for their crimes, and re-entering them into society is what we should all be working towards. You know, uh, I think Dave's Killer Bread is also a yeah. company that. that prioritizes. Was, yes. But, so his death has caused other exonerated people who are pursuing damages in Philadelphia uh, to fear for their life. There's people who believe it may have been, you know, an intentional murder to, you know, kind of get him after he uh, highlighted some conspiratorial uh, things going on in Philadelphia. So the fact of the matter is that it often requires collaboration of many highly powerful people to actually frame someone for a crime. You know, this isn't just, oh, we, we got some spare cases lying around, let's just pin them on this person. You know, as Kelly was mentioning, it required, like, the collaboration of, you know, an attorney of uh, someone who was already willing to testify and lie on the stand. Especially
1: when they're given a deal to do so. that,
3: That in itself is conspiracy. Like, I don't mean conspiracy as in, like, conspiracy theory, like, a crazy thing. But no, a group of people conspiring to do something.
1: And withholding evidence.
3: So the case again... And I also have a quote that we're going to read real quick. Uh, And this was from The Acquire. The case against the men was built on a house of cards. The case against the men was built on a house of cards involving false jailhouse informant testing, extensive undisclosed evidence, and forensic evidence that directly contradicted the informant's story. The basic structure underpinning the conviction was built on the unscrupulous behavior of several bad actors. So these conspiracies to pin crimes on someone else raises the question Of who actually committed the crimes because that's six murders that we don't know the answers still. Yeah. How did the uh, exoneree come into the crosshairs of the people who chose to pin it on them and how are they benefiting from protecting the real criminals? So, was it truly just because the prosecutor wanted, like, you know, another gold star on their file? Or was someone paying them to do this? Are they somehow connected to the actual criminals? Are they covering up something for someone? Is organized crime infiltrated the uh, you know the legal system? Those are all things that should be investigated, and that's why the exonerees in the area are getting nervous. Of hey, this isn't just another random murder. This was someone who was highly publicized, highlighting some bad shit going on in the community. And I'm also now pursuing damages against Philadelphia. Like that would that would make me very nervous.
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Who watched? is the watchers
0: yeah.
3: the
1: people who who serve justice the prosecutors the judges the cops who who makes sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing
0: and that's crazy too because it's such a tight-knit community and there's you know
1: they're all scratching airing out back. the bad
0: laundry of what happens or holding people accountable i don't know how much that happens and i don't think it's exclusive to just you know these different types of agencies i think that is very across the board yeah with any group of people whether it be friends or family or um there's not a lot of accountability that happens and i think it's because of the shame that comes along with it or the not shame necessarily but the humiliation but then also the humiliation of being guilty by association and now a message from our sponsors right so
1: it's that but i think it's also like like they're also they're almost kind of keeping accountable each other accountable to cover each other's tracks because mm-hmm. if they don't one group will fuck the other group like i remember seeing a case where it was like well if if the the prosecution and the the you know district attorney didn't cover the tracks of the cops the cops weren't going to like give them evidence or like give them what they need and so it's like this like horrific symbiotic like relationship as well
3: It's like when cops ask for like professional courtesy and like Mm -hmm. don't get DOIs. or like a judge gets pulled over and he's like, you know who I am. Yep. And they like, oh, oh, sorry, your crime doesn't matter anymore because I need to stay in the this. judge's good graces. And, you know, that's how the prosecution feels about the judge. And like, well, they're I mean... all just in that Boris of corruption.
2: I also do want to add in that uh, David's attorney's office of Philly is closed down. I just looked it up. <laughs> it is no, He is no longer serving law in Philadelphia, Or at he... least has an office. Of I under. know at
1: some point <laughs> he was fired from... I wonder if he was disbarred. ...being a prosecutor.
2: I, I, so I, was, I was looking it up. I couldn't see that. And it says that his uh, office is closed. Closed and his LinkedIn has been inactive.
1: Well, I mean, you have to take into consideration all of the stuff that him specifically with these cases yes. that was in the 90s. So it's been a long time.
3: Yeah, true. He could have done. it. He could have passed away from all day.
1: I mean, he was he was God fired oh, as a prosecutor, man. but like we don't know what's happened oh. in that span of time.
3: I hope he
2: got his ass beat like at least one good time.
1: And that's the thing that pisses me off too is that these people do horrific shit and like like never get beat up for it. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that they were saying too—the stigma of being like exonerated, where like it doesn't matter if you're exonerated, it doesn't matter if you're uh, found guilty with like legitimate evidence, because the prosecutors refuse to like admit that they were wrong, because it's more important to them to keep that that reputation. So they will mm-hmm. still say that you're guilty, even though if, even if it's based on nothing, and that. Obviously, puts you in a bad light in the public. People yeah. don't want to hire you, shit like that.
3: Well, yeah, totally but, innocent. I've been proven innocent in court, and you still mm-hmm. don't want to hire me because I was a convict.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know, I feel like Damon Eccles has talked about that
2: kind of yeah. shit too a lot. Put on that topic. Is like, how do you think the lack of compensation for wrongfully convicted people impacts their lives? Because when they get out, they can't get jobs. So it's like, bitch, at least you can come out your pocket for keeping yeah. them in jail for no fucking reason.
1: Especially if they've lost, like, their homes, their all of their possessions, and all of that shit. I mean, he was in, years he of their was lives. in jail for 30 fucking years, just about. Yeah. So.
2: I should get, like, a, a year's worth of salary for every year I was in prison. Like, coming oh, out yeah, your I bag. I can't afford it. Okay, they can't. <laughs>
3: the bits, they, come they, can,
1: they can buy uh, fucking. SWAT gear and tanks for each fucking police. Department, but they can't.
3: Well, and like Battle was saying, like, what was the technology difference between like this year and 1990? That Mm -hmm. person is 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 walking out of a a world where they previously were using like phones with lines connected to walls. A beeper. And now people are being like, "Dog, you got to get on Bumble."
2: Yeah. He's he's like, "What the fuck is OnlyFans?" Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I can't just go in and ask for a job application? No, you got to go to the web portal and you got to fill out your (laughs) job history for the past ten years three times. (laughs) That's what that's what you're asking, and the cover letter.
1: Well, and it's funny too because you say that like my parents have been doing computer shit. What term for it is? Um, since the '80s, and my dad used to tell me he's like a computer used to be the size of a fucking room mm-hmm. in the yeah. '80s. Like, and that's, you can, and that that amount of like, storage and, like, stuff is, like, less than what you can fit on here now. Mm-hmm. It's wild.
2: So now, do you think, like, prosecutors and law enforcement officials have, like, a responsibility to address <laughs> these convictions? Because <laughs> they never do. Like, when they get called out, we were wrong. No one ever comes forward and takes the L.
1: Well, and that's the thing, too, is, like, who else has been victim? I mean, not, not just the people who were wrongfully accused, but who else has been victimized by the people who actually fucking did the crime?
3: Yep. Yeah. Well, and... I think part of this that we have to keep in mind is even if you're a quote-unquote good judge, your career is based on public opinion because you will have to be elected to be a judge most places. Um, so even if you're a good judge and you notice this happening, if your name gets associated with this media storm and you take responsibility and come forward and make sure all the right people you know, get their just desserts, then maybe you're never going to be a judge again. 'Cause now the police union is gonna be like, They did a sturdy, no one vote for this judge and you're black your career. for that yeah. career. So I don't I don't say that as like a justification for why they don't come forward, but I think there is uh, kind of a corrupt brain that you could say it's better for me to be a good judge that says nothing and stays a judge than to be a good judge that comes forward and gets one cop off the street that is corrupt.
1: But how good of a judge are you if you're going along with all of these false yeah, accusations? Because, like, I mean, it it's incentivizes like, people
3: to not do the right.
1: Thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like that's what we say about like people standing up for like racism, like white people saying stuff about racism. Like, if more people start doing it. Then it becomes normal, and then we can keep people accountable. But like, it's getting to that—you have to get to that point where people yeah. hold each other accountable. Normalize accountability. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and last, Like, well, all of us
3: make mistakes in our jobs, whatever it may be. I'm. Very lucky that I've never made a mistake that caused someone to go to prison for thirty years. But in any career field, like learning from your mistakes and like benefiting from that is like well known. Like I, Take I would L. be more I would I would vote for a judge who came forward and said, like, hey, I was a part of this case, things did not go right, let's correct this, let's get this person out of it. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. is huge. That's so important to
2: And the last thing I wanted to say is how do you think society can help? <laughs> reintegrate formally incarcerated individuals we talked about the pizza thing but do you know any other avenues that you would want to shout out
4: I
1: mean I do have
2: one wait go ahead Kelly while I get my shirt Uh,
1: again I I think it says a lot about like the fact that our justice system in general and our, our um, prison industrial complex really isn't here for what was the word, the R word that you used? Oh my God. Rehabilitation. From, yeah. So like if, I mean, if we could start there, but even still, if, if, if people have gone through the prison system and they have been rehabilitated, that says a lot considering how all the factors working against them. But I think if like, it's it, there's only so much society can do what we really need to start pushing and leaning on the government more to get their shit together because like yeah. our prison system is destroying people and it's the irony is that even people who are wrongfully convicted of something or end up in prison who maybe didn't do something that was really that bad it turns them into fucking criminals
2: yeah it's a, it's because back to your the, lifestyle yeah
1: yeah uh, so
2: one one brand know. i do love it's called a uh, for everyone and they make a bunch of shirts like Abala's prisons, but all their shirts and stuff like that are made from ex themselves. There's a company started by ex cons, and they make a lot of really good clothes. And I'll put so the I'm, link I'm in the show notes. Not aware
3: but. of any organizations specifically, but I think something that we as a society could be like prioritizing is. Uh, education spending specifically for people who are so yes like getting you professional licenses or going to trade school or pursuing your degrees lots of people can do that in prison but once you get out it is much easier because you are no longer in that space to actually pursue education so you know if we have someone who's coming back to society and says like hey i have this interest how do i go to school if they're not making money that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, so th- that's an avenue I think could be interesting to explore. You know, how do we get those people into like the...
1: Cheaper
2: or college? free education? Well,
1: on, yeah. here's the thing too. So, like, we already have this issue with our education system where we go to poor schools and depending on their their test scores, decide before they even get out of elementary school if they're going to end up in prison or not. What is it? The, the school-to-prison school pipeline? Pipeline, yeah. So, like, one, we just have to restructure everything. But also, like... What if that was a thing that we did overall where if anybody goes to jail, we specifically it's a requirement to have a certain amount of education that you accomplish while you're there. I mean, you you know, yeah, because like, like with what you're saying, like I get how it can be like in some ways easier to get an education after you leave. But, you know, if you're in prison, you're not paying rent, you're not you've got all this time to a certain extent to better yourself so that when you actually come out and you do have all these responsibilities and you do have all these things that you need to pay for you can just go immediately into the, the workforce yeah
2: and make an actual income unlike in California yeah. when they're sending those prisoners to be firefighters in that wildfire and paying them like pennies <laughs> to fight a fire Such <laughs> bullshit well I mean the wrongful conviction of Christopher and his death really just shows the flaws in the justice system and everyone sucks in the justice system <laughs> (laughs) because no one's doing anything to change it but uh check out uh, the links in the show notes like for everyone collective they have like a lot of really good clothes and they're actually pretty cheap too a bunch of sweaters and stuff like that and it helps you get calls because they also raise awareness for a good cause and that was the episode we hope you enjoyed it Uh, check out the social medias, the Patreon, the music, I updating the Spotify playlists. <laughs> Had a couple of people would DM me about that. Was like, "Hey, you're missing a lot of songs." I was like, "Bitch, I'm busy. I do it when I do it." <laughs> the-
3: and thank you for the reminder. No, thank you for the reminder. Well, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So uh, enjoy the music. Anything else to plug?
3: Uh, other than just my- one other cool little thing that's happening in some prisons. They're using say VR that. headsets to reintegrate or to train people on like this is how you go into a bank now and use an automated teller machine and like things like that using vr headsets which i think is kind of like a cool concept of you know putting someone in a a safe way of reintegration
1: yeah future Uh,
3: i don't know how widespread that is i I only found like one or two articles about it so don't know how successful it is either white collar
2: prisons like the one that gwyneth paltrow almost went to innocent though you know (sighs) anyway kisses from the (laughs) homie
3: Time now for your latest
2: weather forecast.
4: I'm falling off over the edge, can't control my conscience, so many regrets but I'll do it again, no one can fucking stop me, I'm just a heartbroken kid, stuck inside the world with all the shit that I did. Stuck in my head Believe me when I say I'd rather be dead Have you ever felt the feeling of falling in love? I never knew I knew the feeling of you giving up You never knew me and I'm thinking it's all because I got caught up in a life with all these drugs You, you, you can come over this town, would you ride with me? to god hoping he got me i turn my back on the world they try to stop me can't turn my back on the gang i know they got me i'm falling off over the edge can't control my conscience so many regrets but i'll do it again no one can fucking stop me i'm just a heartbroken kid stuck inside the world with all the shit that i did